Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. God is really good. He's very kind. He's faithful. And I had the privilege of ministering in Durban last week and I just got on a roll of telling stories. Your stories. People's stories. And there's a story of the story, and I realized this is actually amazing. And they're radical stories of crazy darkness to light, dead to life. God continues to do this. I'm so grateful to His faithfulness, to His kindness. He wants to do much more. Yeah. And um, as we continue, and, and why do we have these moments? It's because God wants to lead His church. He is leading His church. He is taking us on Vision Sunday. Why do we do these moments? Well, we want to stop for a moment and just say thank you. We don't just want to carry on and pour into the next thing and get involved in the next thing. We want to look back at these moments and say, actually, wow, did you know what teams have done in Site 5? Did you know others have been into prisons? Did you know that part of your family have been on journeys from brokenness into wholeness? Did you know? God continues to do this in our midst. And we, we're thankful to Him. We're grateful to Him. Second reason we do it is Proverbs 29 tells us, without vision, His people perish. And part of today is a vision for our church and a vision for our togetherness, but it's also a challenge to what is your vision? As you sit down with your life and your stories and the giftings God's put in your hands and the story He's given you, what's the vision? Where's it going? Are we going to do the next five years and go, sure, but that happened the last five years. Are we going to say, actually, God, I want your life breath into my soul and I want that to count. I want it to make a difference. I want to change situations, stories. I got to travel last week with Michael who spoke about depression. And he gets up and I say, well, won't you just say hello to the church? He starts preaching courage and encouragement to this local church as 400 people sit in front of him. I'm like, that's not a guy with depression. That's a guy with a great story from a great king who continues to do great things in his life. I'm so greatly challenged and encouraged by God. Secondly, God continues to speak identity and direction into us as a family. As a church, he's got things for us in our togetherness. He's got adventures for us. He's got new adventures that he wants to take us further. And he says, I want to pull people into that. And part of why we share that in a moment like this is maybe you're sitting and Sunday, it's your Sunday habit to go to church. God's saying there's so much more for you. And I'm telling you, Christianity and your walk with God cannot be done in isolation. He places everyone into family. He says, I want families to be the signs and wonders that the world looks to and sees. And lastly, Proverbs 19, to many are the plans of the person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's God's church. It's not my church or Gabe's church or the elder's church. It's God's church. It's His purpose. It's His plans. It's His design. Who would think of sitting down? Let's get all people from all different backgrounds, all different stories, all different demographics. Put them in a room. It would be like the ultimate case study of mankind. Put them in a room week after week and see how they go. It was called Big Brother. They did it. It didn't go well. But because of the Spirit of God, because of His goodness, <laughs> Ooh, that little. He continues to do it over and over. The greatest vision we could ever have as a church. We don't have a new vision for you. Our greatest vision is Jesus. To keep singing, all hail King Jesus. 
to keep singing, to keep praising, to be glorifying, to keep marveling and wondering at His goodness and His grace, to keep on our knees worshiping and allow what He does to continue to flow in and through our lives, our stories, and this city is the greatest privilege that we have. The greatest, greatest privilege that we have. So we sit here today, and today, just a grid for vision for this church, we have a couple of grids. One of them is multiplication. We believe where God is, there is life. There's fruitfulness. There is abundance. There's His blessing over it, that actually multiplication is part of it. But in the same task, we hold on to health. And we believe that healthy things grow. Put health into the church. Keep preaching the word. Keep doing the basics well. Keep fasting. I want to say well done to the church for fasting. At an inconvenient time of the year, to do something that is inconvenient for your stomachs, but to trust God in a time. Say, God, actually, we've already started to hear testimonies. I got testimony on Sunday. We finished fasting on the Wednesday. Sunday night, testimony. Actually, God's just major breakthrough. I remember paying for this lady on the Wednesday night. Major breakthrough in my career. I love that. It's like, come on, that's what we prayed for. That's what we asked for. That's why we're fasting. We're fasting to beat our stomachs down, move the mountains, as Gabe said. It's not why we fast. We fast because we are getting our appetites under control so that we can give our appetite to Him. Our appetite for Him. Our appetite for His glory in our lives to see the wonders and what only He can do in our lives. That one young guy, the three brothers you saw get um, baptized together. It's actually quite funny. He's actually part of family of Candace. And um, recently uh, uh, he got prayed for on the first, second night of the fast. Pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the challenge went out, we'll go and prophesy over someone at work the next day. So, as what new believers do, he believed it. And he did it. The very next day, went and he prayed and prophesied over someone. I'm going, yes, Jesus. Yes, do that in us. More and more and more. Let that rise up in us. God's not playing games with this church. We don't have time to play games. I, I think you know that. You can see that. I... I just to say a note on the water crisis, you can see people's lives are getting in turmoil. I think this is the greatest opportunity right now for the gospel. Don't miss it. As people's anxieties rise, you know what's amazing about this water crisis? No one's exempt. No, no demographic, no whatever. No one's exempt. And anxiety rise, we have the Prince of Peace. Yes, do everything you can. Do everything you can to save water. Please don't see what I'm not doing. And we're doing a whole bunch of things. We've ordered Jojos and float tanks and waterless urinals and all that good stuff. And we've encouraged the gents not to miss because then we have to clean the floors more. <laughs> Ladies, it's a problem, eh? It's a problem. Some of these are, if you could just give your man a pep talk, just say, buddy, hit the mark. And, and, um, but, um, but we're doing everything we can. I trust you all, but actually I trust that you are praying. Everywhere in the word of God that there is a drought. Everywhere. Men and women are called back to God. And I'm telling you, 2018 is no different. God is on the move in our city. Be praying. Be praying and take every opportunity at this time. And so it's all these things. And we look back and, and we started two years ago where we would say, God, we'd start praying in about July, August, the year before. God, what is a theme for next year? Just help us as a family. Because the vision never really changes. Preach the gospel. See people saved. Allow believers to become mature and stand up. Allow people to walk in your Christ-likeness. These are all that he calls us to. So we don't change the game every year. And two years ago, we felt a God speak a word to us, pioneer again. And the word came that actually we were this teenager church who'd been on some adventures, built buildings in the midst of where there was no people beyond here. This was the end of kind of civilization of Tableview. We had these adventures and God was saying, will you pioneer again? 
pioneers, it's a tough job pioneering. It's hard work. It's breaking ground. It's stepping into new areas. It's taking risks again, risking the status quo to pioneer again. But the amazing thing in 2017, as, at, yeah, 2016, as God called us to pioneer again, we planted Milnerton Church so that Nick and his brothers can get saved, so that Claude can get saved and find his way to Estonia so that Estonia can get a new kids ministry worker. I don't know why we do what we do sometimes, but if one person, if everything we do, if, if the whole of Christmas, the whole of Easter, and all the energy and effort that comes in is so that one person gets saved, we'll do it again and again and again. Just one. We've just sent one of our best to Estonia. I'm going, hey God, bless that nation. Bless him. Bless them because that man is there. Just that one man. Bless him because he's there. And I'm so amazed at God as he continues to do these things. And he called us as we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and pioneer of our faith. One of the translations says. And God says, actually, that wasn't a word for 2016. That's a word I've put into the DNA of this church. If you're new to this church, you're saying, who are these oaks? I want to tell you who we are. We are pioneering people. We're going to keep taking risks. And we're going to keep trusting him. And we're going to keep jumping borders, that so-called border that exists. And Milton might not have been the sexiest place to go in some ways. And yet God spoke a word. God called us. God said, this is what we're going to do. God opened up the opportunity at that school to get influence and to, to see his glory come in that place. And God will keep doing that. And to send some of our best was tough. But God called us to pioneer again. And in that same year, some of the greatest gifts given to this church, Wally and Shirley Gersmeyer, who'd been here for years, were settled in their late years, had all their friends in this community, actually felt the call on an airplane to speak to me. Wally spoke to me at 37,000 feet, or however fly, high a plane flies. He says, Mark, I feel like we've got to go again. So what do you mean, go again, Wally? No, we've got to go. We've got to go. And last year, if you know them, if you've been in touch with them, they have been flat out busy preaching the gospel, encouraging churches, bringing strength to churches. All happened in that year. We saw a rise in people serving. Pioneer again, God spoke to us. Then last year, behold and be bold. That challenge that came in some ways, people said, what does that even mean? Well, if you read the word to behold is to give God your undivided attention. It's still a word deep down in our DNA. Would we be a people who would keep beholding him? Like John did, who saw him, his friend Jesus, who had walked with for years, he encounters the king of kings in the book of Revelation. It says he falls down as though dead because he beheld him. Life changes church. We'll keep being a people who behold the king. And as we are beholden of him, he calls us to boldness. Greater boldness. We, we've stepped into measures of God saying, I want more from you. Life changes community, Tableview, Milton, whoever, wherever you find yourself, I want more boldness. Why? When you find yourself captivated by me. And we said that we are a church. At that time, we want to be symbolic of things to come. I love looking across this auditorium and seeing such a spread of life and age groups and colors and backgrounds and stories. It breathes life to me because I honestly believe it's the call of the local church. It's not just an optional extra. We get to do diversity. Such a used word. And I have the privilege of traveling into churches and it grieves me when I look out and I only see pale-faced people. I do love you pale-faced people. I, I might be one. In winter, I'm more of one. But it grieves me. So I'm telling you the church of the future. 
can't look like that. The church of today can't look like that. And God is challenging us, call us. We'll be on the forefront of tearing down the barriers, of tearing down prejudice, of tearing down smallness, of tearing down our little worlds that get so small. We will be on the forefront of that, of engaging cultures. We hear people's stories who come from Malawi, Uganda, and God sends them to you for a purpose and a time to see His gospel extended. A household of salvation, a household of faith, a household of life. And so I'm wrestling all these things, and I've got these, these young guns on staff. Tyler, if you want to know where the lights came from, this is actually Tyler's wedding present. Here we go, Tyler. He literally, this is the happiest day in his life. He has been asking me for lights for like two years, every staff meeting. It's like, so I just said, do it. Actually, today was the first time for me too, by the way, to see them. So some of you are like, whoa, don't worry, me too. Happy wedding next Friday, Tyler and Kate. And uh, while we're there, Kate says, yeah, she was part of the team that planted the Milnerton crew and has been a vital part of leadership. And that getting married on Friday, and she's coming to join us at Tableview AM. So amazing to have you with us. But these guys are on my back, kind of August. What's next year? We've got to do work. You always leave it last minute, Mark. No, but I'm a spirit guy. I want to wait on God. Can't rush the Lord. No, but we need this because we want to get bangles, armbands made. And we want to get things printed. And we need to do design. And it's holidays. And we can't do that over Christmas. We need that. I'm like, no, but the Lord hasn't spoken yet. Anyway, and we had the privilege of about September going um, away for a weekend as a family. And I don't know about you, but I go away with my three boys, and times are busy. It's like I'm trying to seek the Lord. Whoo-boo, soccer ball. And it's uh, like, so I said to my wife, I need to go for a walk. And I went for a walk. And we were near the Hermanus region there, and there are these mountains that look over the town. Beautiful, beautiful. Overberg, is it Overberg? What is it? Overberg Mountains. Just beautiful. And I was walking, and someone phoned me, and I had about a 20-minute conversation with an amazing man. And God was stirring things in my soul, turned my phone off, and I'm just walking. And I looked at this mountain, and vividly, it's like I had this memory of a mate of mine who on his 40th birthday, he's driving from Joburg to Durban. He's in his car with his family, kids, wife, everything. It's his 40th birthday, and he's processing, I'm 40. How did that happen so quickly? And he drives past this mountain, which is called the Platberg. But Harry Smith people call it Table Mountain. So meet your cousin. And he's driving and he sees this mountain. He says, actually, I've run in my life some mountains. Can I still run a mountain? He stops his car, drives to the mountain, takes out his running shoes, his running clothes, puts them on, says to family, I'll see you soon. He runs up the mountain. Yes, midlife crisis. Yes. Yes. Proving things to self. All of those amazing things. But I've got this memory as I'm walking, looking at mountains. And God's saying, actually, will you still run at mountains for me and with me? Will you still run at mountains? Mountains that get in the way. Will you still run at mountains? Not molehills. Just flatten those molehills. Durban, there's molehills prone. You just flatten them. They come back up. Not little mounds. Not Bloberg Hill. I mean, it's a decent jog for most of us. We'd probably pass out. But will you run at mountains? Came here last night and I've got my headphones on, just walking around praying. I know some of your stories. There's mountains. There's mountains. And as that story of my friend 
and his journey at 20 turned 40, it just so happens to be the same year that I turned 40 this year. And I feel like God challenged me to my deepest core. Will you still run at mountains? Not, will you have good meetings? That's part of it. Will you work hard? That's part of it. And, and guys work hard to put lights up and to put productions and do videos. That's all part of it. But will you run at mountains? Mountains that are limiting people's lives. Mountains that are in the way of inheritance. Mountains that keep people in fear and anxiety. Will you still run at mountains? And to be honest, it caught me a little bit off guard. When I look at the Bible, most mountains are these amazing places. You see Mount Sinai, and Moses goes up Mount Sinai, and God gives him the word. Mountains are amazing places in the Old Testament. They're a place you go up to hear God, to see Him, to be captivated by Him, to get a new perspective, and to deliver His word. There's Mount Sinai, and there's Mount Ararat. That's where Aramat came from. It's just different. And... Um, but, but I look at all these, and there's Zion, where the location of the Jerusalem temple is. And there's Matthew 6. We see these mountain scenes and Jesus' temptation, the Sermon on the Mount, all these healings, the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm going, God, but what are you doing with mountains? And mountains are these places you go up to be with God. Mountains are also a place of resourcing. We see in Haggai 1, this is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. Go up into the mountains. And then mountains are this place of sacrifice as we see uh, the story with, with Isaac. He says, actually, I want you to take your son and on an altar, I want you to sacrifice your son on a mountain. Mountains are amazing places. But I saw this book of Matthew, and I started finding this trend. Mountains, uh, Matthew 5 to 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 8, Jesus heals a leper on a mountain, heals Mary, calms a storm, heals two demon-possessed men. Matthew 9, he heals the paralytic. He calls Matthew to follow him. The girl is restored to life. He heals two blind men. He lets the mute man talk. Ends Matthew 10, Matthew 9 says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he's stirring, and he's speaking, and he's calling his disciples on a journey. Matthew 12, he heals the man with the withered hand. Matthew 13, parables of supernatural realities breaking in the sower, the net, the, the hidden treasure. Matthew 14, John dies and he feeds the 5,000 and, and walks on water. Matthew 15, the Canaanite woman. Matthew 16, all the signs are demanded and Jesus challenges them to take up the cross. And then we get to Matthew 17. But he's been taking them on a journey. He's been leading his disciples. Who are we? We are disciples. So the Bible says we're disciples on a journey to be like him, to keep our eyes on him. And he pulls us into the story. And then there's a transfiguration. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then... Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to, to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And Jesus takes them to the mountaintop and gets, deals with their perspective and deals with their wonder of who they are. God wants to take us to mountaintops. I don't know what your Christianity has been like. I don't know if there have been mountaintop moments, but I'm telling you, God wants to take us to mountaintop moments so that when we look down on the world and we climb above Table Mountain sometimes and you're above the cloud, sometimes when you're above the cloud, there's, it's clear there, but there's heavy cloud there and there's a thunderstorm there and says, God brings us to a perspective and says, I'm in control of all of it. 
I'm over all of it. With one hand, I can squash. With one hand, I can release. With one touch, with two words, be still. It'll all clear. This is who the God we serve. But there's always a journey beyond the mountain. And chapter verse 14, Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or onto the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. I mean, it's a radical situation. Disciples been giving it a go this far that he's desperate. You can understand. And he's crying out. It's a, it's a tough situation. And Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Wow. Where's Jesus, meek and mild, the lamb? No, he's there. He's there. See, you can almost see the impotent, humbled disciples, and they, they're taking this chastising. But don't see that. See a king who came to release power. See a king who came to reveal his kingdom. See a king calling his disciples to more. See a king who is allowing the frustrations of 30-something years building up. Say, they do not see and he's calling them to more and he's charging them, say, you can do this. And he keeps showing them and revealing what the kingdom of God like when it comes in healing and it comes in breakthrough and it comes in freedom. He says, I want more for you. I have a desire to call you into more and it's Jesus and he's anguishing. And I believe this is a careful measured rebuke. It is a rebuke. He's not rebuking the people out there. He's rebuking the, the disciples who had walked with him, who had shown and he revealed. He's saying, guys, guys, and then the disciples came to Jesus in private, because obviously they want the public story again, like we got sorted last time. He says, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, may it move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. Jesus doesn't rebuke them to ridicule them. He rebukes them to call them to more. He's calling us to more. He's challenging us to more. He's calling out the God stories in us, to more God stories. Say, well, it's uncomfortable. They come and they sit in my seat. Yeah, awesome. And the line of the coffee gets longer. Yes. And there's more young people come to church and then they put up these lights. It says, move from here. For truly, I tell you, if you have faith like a musty, tell that mountain to move. What are the mountains in your life right now? Tell it to move. And we walked some highs and we walked some lows last year. And God speaks a word. He says, actually, I want my church to be a church of faith. I want us to be recognized as people that love. Don't get me wrong. And welcome and do things well and have a level of excellence. But I want people to tell stories of faith. When I tell stories of my home, it's faith stories. My parents had people during the apartheid years, we would have people live in our home who would come and preach at, at public hospitals. And my mom would go in with them and she'd take this young boy, parents of faith. And when they lost everything, they ran to Jesus. They lost everything they had, including the home, the car, everything gone. They ran to Jesus. And when my dad would yuppie flu and he was struck down for seven years and couldn't get out of a bed, they ran to Jesus and they ran to the community of God and they kept running. Will my kids still tell the same stories? Will your kids tell the stories of faith? 
Not my parents made a plan. See, I'm a plan maker. My dad made a plan. He could make a plan. And the water came. And he did all these clever things with water. And redid this with water. And the water went through all these different things. And eventually we could drink it. No, no, my dad got on his knees every morning and he prayed for the city, that God would bless the city because he is the one who moves the mountains. And the responsibility of the scripture that lands on us is he says, I want you to partner with the mountain moving God to become mountain movers. I don't care your background. I don't care your story. Fisherman and tax collector and, and scoundrel. I pull you into my story and I charge you. Stop living small. I'm not trying to get you G'd up. I'm not. I'm just telling you what God is doing in my heart. As we approach, we are meant to move mountains to see the impossible occur through the exercise of faith in the omnipotent promises of our sovereign King. There are promises. Called to lay hands on the sick again, declare life and see it. And I'm telling you, it'll only come by perseverance. It'll only come by keeping doing it. It'll only come when the church rises up in faith. And I really need to move. So we've got a couple of things that I'm supposed to get to to announce. And I'm going to just jump right there. God is calling us 2018. Just some things that look like vision 2018 for us as a church. The first one is to pursue. We fasted and prayed, but that's not our one time. God's called us to call on his name. He's calling us to call on his name. As families, will you take a hold of God? And I'm telling you as a church, God is calling us to pursue him in breakthroughs, to pursue encounters with him in our togetherness and individually. He's calling us to pursue. Will you respond in 2018 as vision? God speaks to us. Will you pursue him? Maybe you're like, I like doing church. It ticks the box for me. Now stop ticking boxes, sir, and take a hold of the omnipotent, powerful king who moves mountains and become part of a mountain-moving story. Parents, when everything is saying, button down the hatches, make your kids safe, Father, I'm telling you, the greatest thing you can give your kids is a gospel-faithful story where they encounter the king of kings in your daily walking. Allow the gospel to get inside. Secondly, and we have to shoot through, is we're making room. In this building, as we've made room in Milton, God's calling us to make room. We're making room here. Maybe we've got one or two of those slides. Fritz, you can pop up. Just as we're doing, we're going to be clearing out the back of that hall. We've needed rights and chasing the city for approvals. It's taken a long time. It's not that easy, I found out, along the journey. But through the faithfulness of giving over the years, these are just some sketches. I couldn't actually get the sketches, the latest ones. But we want to open up. We are part of a welcoming community. We want to serve this community. It's a community with lots of people at home, lots of people working from home. And I'm telling you, if we can host them and serve them, God will continue to give us God's stories. With our faithfulness and with our pouring out, we're going after some of these things. And part of the thing is to redo our whole kids' area for kids. Vital in our area. God is calling us to stretch our faith. You serve people's kids. I promise you, they will come looking for who are these people serving my children. And we've already done amazing things, Shay and the team to the kids. Can we just give them a hand? And God is calling us to be a prophetic statement to people. Secondly, we're going to keep reaching. And one of the ways we are reaching, and there's a whole bunch of things, reaching those who are far from God, serving them. One of the ways you do that is by serving them. And we are doing that in our evening crew. Maybe you've never been to the evening meeting because it's like, I can't bring kids there. It's a bit late. We are seeing the life of God put out there. We are seeing salvations there. And we are seeing kids come to church on a Sunday night, the night before school. I know, it's horrendous. What bad parenting. I do it every Sunday night. 
And we are putting a full kids program in to serve those people and to see people come, to give people options who are busy during the day. Say, actually, and so I ask you, why don't you put your feet into the evening crew? Come and see. It's a diverse spectrum of people, age, everything. It's not, some people think it's just like a youth service. It's not at all. There's actually about 140 people come on a Sunday night. You probably don't know them because they never come in the morning. And maybe you want to put, maybe your parents say, actually, I I come to church once every three weeks because my kids, well, why don't you come visit us in the evening? Let's see what God would do. Let's continue. There's more things there that we're reaching out. We are, we are reaching an influence. And God's calling us to influence. And it is with Side 5 and what God wants to do with the team, the amazing team, and the more and more that God is doing then. We're saying, even the buckets. I want to say thank you again for the buckets. Probably almost 100,000 rand invest in buying the buckets, filling the buckets. I'm so proud of this community. In tough economic times, we'd continue to stretch and feed and pour out. But God's saying there's more. Will you move the mountains of brokenness in our city? Will you feed people where they are hungry? And secondly, then we are partnering with an association called Domino Foundation, who are feeding up to five or what's it, six thousand kids a day. They feed six thousand kids a day in the city of Durban. They have partnered as Recycle Swap Shop and Rihanna Maria have pulled Recycle Swap Shop into Domino. There's a call and a partnership brewing in the church I was at last week. They pioneer this work. And there's a call to partner across cities to access finances actually from the business sector to pull into the NGOs. They're looking for people who are national and churches who have a track record and a history and saying, we'll do that. We're prepared to get our hands dirty in the mess of our world. Last two things. New territories, and these are the ones I want to shout about. We feel God has given us something in worship, and we're going to be writing songs and producing an album as a church. So we can serve. And, which means some of you are sitting here, and God has called you to write songs. Maybe you don't even know how to do music or play instrument. It doesn't matter. Write songs. Write them. We'll help you. And let's see if God, through our togetherness, can bless the nations of this world. And impact the nations. Because I think the sounds and the future sounds of this world should actually come from the church as God breathes his life. And lastly, the big one. God has shown us and multiplying into Milton was a big call for me, to be honest. I wasn't really pro the multi-site thing. It just felt a little bit corporate, a little bit like, how do you do it? A little bit not me. And then God spoke clearly. And the Milton journey has been exhilarating. It's been taxing. It's been costly. It's cost us people in terms of releasing people from this congregation. It took a hit on this congregation as rows two, three, and four all said, we're going on an adventure for Jesus. And I'm like, whoa, where's everybody gone? What have we done? We've just crumbled the church. God is calling us to release again. We don't know exactly where and we don't know exactly when, but we feel in prayer and we have for a while that within the next 18 months, we'll plant another congregation in the city of this. And uh, and I would ask, as we stand on the precipice of adventures, maybe saying, actually, I haven't had an adventure in God. Maybe putting your feet outside of the walls of this church and saying, I want to be a part of that. I don't know what it is. I don't know who's leading it. I don't know exactly where it is. I want to sow finances. I want to pray. If you're an intercessor, pray now for God to speak. If you If God speaks to you in prophetic language and pictures, come and speak about where God is speaking to the people. And then we follow the life of God. We don't want to manufacture it. God must add people from different areas. Right now, we have three home groups in the city. I don't know if you know that. We've got home groups in Melkbos. We've got home groups going that way. There's new areas. God's saying, I, I don't know. But we feel that God is calling us to keep pioneering. Pioneer again was not a 2016 thing. Pioneering, is a, pioneering again is a Jesus thing. Yeah. 
I want to ask the band up if that's all right as I've shot through these things. And Gabriel is going to want me at Milnerton any minute now. Can we stand? I know that that was a mouthful. Are you all right? God is calling us. God is speaking. If you knew and you're visiting, I'd say, these guys are crazy. A little bit. But I think faith looks crazy. I look at Jesus spitting in a man's eye and it getting healed. I think that looks crazy. But Jesus did that. How do you respond to Vision Sunday? Lay hands on the sick again. Be generous again. Prophesy again. Rise up again. Business people dream again. No, not economic times, button down the hatches. No, dream again in the provision and the goodness of the mighty king and trust him. People in spaces of social justice, not it's overwhelming. No, go to the one who never gets overwhelmed. Oh, 5,000 people, get that boy, his few fish. And allow the God who moves the mountains to pull you into his story, which is a mountain moving story, not a Sunday activity. Allow mediocrity to come off you. Allow apathy to come off you. Allow the lies of the enemy to come off you. Allow the smallness of the past to come off you. Allow where you've been in the past and the disqualifications of this earth to come off you and buy into a story that's bigger than you and it's bigger than me and it's bigger than this church called the kingdom of God where there is a king seated on his throne. He's saying, actually, will you be a part of that? Oh God, but the, the church, they, 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 they only do it this way. They only do this. No, get over that stuff. Buy into his story. This is not about the church. This is about the king. It's about his kingdom. It's about those faces that we need to see more of. Because actually, time's not getting longer. Jesus' coming's not getting further away. It's only getting closer. He's saying, I want to pull you into my story. Life changes church. We love you. I have to shoot to Milnerton. We absolutely love you. Please rise in faith. God's saying, could this be a year of faith with my church? Cry out to me again for the impossible things. Jesus speaking, he says, verily I tell you, when the Son of Man returns, will he still find faith on this earth? Not will he find church services, not will he find meetings, not will he find life, will he find faith? If all of those are in faith, awesome, but he's looking for faith. Let's sing of the mountain moving God one more time as we close.